This is Masters in Travel, a rendezvous at the intersection of travel and business to accelerate your success. I'm your host, Whitney, owner of Undiscovered Sunsets. Each episode, we have one goal in mind, to share experiences, insights, and resources to help you maximize your potential. Masters in Travel is a podcast, community, and academy for travel advisors by travel advisors, and I'm so glad to have you join the conversation. Get ready to become a master in travel. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Masters in Travel. I'm your host, Whitney. As professional travel advisors, technology is imperative to running our day-to-day businesses, both efficiently and effectively. It also enables us to connect with clients in a more seamless manner, often making us look more professional in addition to saving us time and energy. What's interesting and sometimes hard as we utilize and rely on technology on a day-to-day basis is that we often don't know what goes on behind the scenes. How did this concept get started in the first place? How are decisions made? And how do they decide on what features to build next? Today, we're going to learn about Approach Guides, the incredible resource we have as travel advisors to share high-quality content with travelers to enhance our client experience. Jennifer Razor is the founder of Approach Guides. Jennifer, thank you so much for coming back on the show. Thanks for having me. I have to say, Whitney, one of the things I most often hear from advisors is just how valuable your podcast is. You've really made a big difference for a lot of advisors and helped help sort of guide them on a path to answering some of the, the oh big my questions goodness. in a really friendly way. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that. Sometimes I feel like I'm in a little bubble, just powering <laughs> through these interviews and it's it's so interesting with a podcast platform that you don't always know who's listening, what their thoughts are, if they connect to it. You know, you, you don't always know. So thank you so much for sharing that. I love to no, hear that. Of course. I hear it. I do, I do hear it a lot, actually. Awesome. So I love approach guides. I am the first one to say that I probably do not fully maximize the capability of approach guides, but I do love it. And one thing that I always do is send a customized video playlist to all clients together with their proposal. So I always kind of present it as, you know, watch these videos first to just like really get into, you know, the spirit of Italy or the the spirit of Greece, like wherever you're going, because I find that the visuals, that's what puts me like, I, I can then imagine myself there when I can see like, well, what does Santorini look like? You know? And whenever clients respond, I would say 10 out of 10 times, they're like, oh my God, I love those videos. And here are the hotels that we want to book. You know, that's amazing. They love them. They love yeah, them. I think using content to help the clients get really excited about destinations that they're going to. And, and it's not the, I've seen some of the, the pages that you've developed and, you know, just the inspiration that comes through. And it's not, you know, here's all the logistics that you have to think about, which is, Right. It's fine, but it's not the fun stuff. It's really exactly as you say, putting yourself there and building that inspiration, which is when you think about a journey, that inspiration leading up to it is is just as important, if not more so than the trip itself. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like let me take care of the logistics. I'll figure out how you you get from Mykonos to Santorini, but you... (laughs) I want you to imagine yourself there and I want you to already feel like you're there months, you know, before you actually arrive, because that just helps to build the excitement. So I'm curious, I don't think that this was originally built with travel advisors in mind, but I actually don't know the answer. If we go all the way back to before you built Approach Guides, before you had a name, because that's always the hardest (laughs) part of a new company, right? Yes, yes. Like, What was the initial idea that you even came up with, even if it's not related to what Approach Guides actually is now, what were those first conversations? What what did it look like? It's actually very true to the original vision. And that's one of the things that we we actually do talk about a lot. And it's because my husband and I, who we founded the business together, we we were traveling and this was the content that we were unable to get ourselves. You know, it's as we said, you can find that traditional guidebook content, where to go, what to see, what to eat, you know, where to eat in a place, but it's a commodity, right? It's so easy to find. And it's really just not the fun part of travel. That's the boring stuff. And what's a lot harder to find is the content that gives you a unique insight into the places that you're visiting. You know, what's 
what's the history? What's the local food that you're going to encounter? What are the local crafts? You know, if you're trying to pick up a souvenir, what are those things? I'm always asking this question. What, what, if I want to bring home like an authentic something from this destination, like what should I be looking for? And that destinations have historical things that they create. And then when you learn about that and then you appreciate the history and what goes into making it, it becomes something that, that you really get attached to. So, you know, that's the type of content that we were trying to seek out just for ourselves. And when you start looking at the resources that are available, there's just a lot of junk out there. And so we were really looking for content that resonates, content that's not salesy. It's not clickbait. It's not created just to get likes and serve somebody. Or like blogger influency. I'm not going to send a 22-year-old blogger in Bali to my clients. (laughs) You can't. You can't. It's not appropriate. Clients recognize that. So the content that we curate is, is really, it's pure and authentic. Um, I like to call it candy for the curious mind. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I love it. So you were just travelers yourself. Yep. Thinking like, this is what we want. We can't find it. So then are you just super entrepreneurial or just super motivated that you were, it was just obvious that you were like, well, we have to create this or like, how did, how did you make that leap? Because a lot of people have great ideas and then they're like, well, somebody will do that. (laughs) Yeah, you're, you're right. You're right. I mean, ideas are a dime a dozen. Everybody has an idea. They're sitting around the dinner table. That would be a great business if someone else were to do it. We do come from a long line of entrepreneurs in our families. So it definitely is in the, in the blood, but you know, it was just the idea came. Technology had really advanced. We knew a developer, and we said, "Why don't we, you know, why don't we build something mm-hmm. and see what form it takes?" And originally, the idea was to go direct to consumers. But the more and more we looked at the market, it's really the businesses that are struggling to to get this content to the yes. consumers. And we could have a much bigger impact helping you know, travelers all around the world experience destinations in a deep way if we partnered with brands. So that, mm-hmm. was, that was an initial transition we went through. So I guess that came pretty early in just research and conversations that this was going to be probably a better sales pitch, but more profitable and more valuable going to the businesses that might share this with consumers as opposed to going direct to consumers? Yeah, it actually wasn't, I'd love to say it was research and we researched the market and then launched with that, <laughs> with that, but it, it, that's not the way it went, at least for us. And I think that's mm-hmm. sort of the way it, it goes for a lot of businesses is you start out sure. with, a, with an idea. And as long as you're flexible and you're listening to what the market is saying, it very quickly guides you in that way. So when we launch for consumers, consumers love it, but reaching individual consumers is it's hard it takes a lot of a lot of effort and we were super successful at that but then you know we had a very large hotel chain reach out to us and say we love this content we would love to serve that up to our guests interesting and that's when the initial sort of light bulb goes off we were you know sort of high-fiving around the office we were so excited yeah it didn't end up panning out because that hotel chain had 4000 hotels in in 4000 destinations and at the right. time I think we covered like 30 countries. Gotcha. gotcha. So, but that was sort of the impetus that sort of led us on the path that we, we are today. Okay. And now we do. We have like, I think we cover 5,000 destinations. <laughs> so, I mean, I used to work for a large hotel chain and I'm just curious, what was the execution model that they had in mind? Was it having just one high quality image per destination that they could share with clients upon confirming or just right before arrival? Or was it more like a collection of high quality stuff that they might offer via an app? Did you get that far in conversations? I'm just curious how that would be executed. We did. It was delivering content through the app. So each destination would have a 
selection of resources that you could, you know, browse, whether you're in, in room, they would, you know, be promoting it within the, the in hotel. That's really cool as well. That's really, so, really cool. If I had like a hotel stay coming up and it like, yeah. I could watch a video to kind of inspire me to go to that destination. And then after it's confirmed, if there were more videos to just kind of pique your interest on what you're going to see and do and learn and explore in that destination. I mean, that's, that's super cool. Have you gone back to them to be like, hey, we happen to be in all the destinations now? <laughs> we have. We have. We're actually in pretty advanced conversations now, which That's is exciting. Uh, really, really great. It's it's nice to see things yeah. um, full circle. But you know, even in if you think about that hotel visit, it's not so dissimilar to what a travel advisor does, right? Maybe the, the person has decided they want to go to Italy or Santorini and yep. now, okay, you've made that sort of shell of a plan and now it becomes, well, what do you really want to do? And you can use content as a way to educate your client, but also educate you on what they want to do because they might not know off the top of their head that they would find architecture super interesting. But if you right. serve them up a video that they're like, wow, that was really fascinating. They're like, yep. you know, I've got, you know, I've got this guide that talks about these type of things. Would you like to do a fun tour of the city or something right. like that? Exactly. I do find that that happens a lot with clients, that there is some experience that they've had probably before working with a travel advisor that just kind of taints all future exposures to that type of experience. So all of clients will just be like, I don't need to see architecture. I'm not into architecture. I'm not interested. And then parts of me are like, hey, I get that. I've also been on a couple overwhelming architecture tours and it was three hours and it probably could have been an hour and a half. I totally get what that feels like. There's a like. lot of dates that mean just basically nothing. Or like names that I'm like Googling and I'm just like, am I supposed to know these people? Like I didn't study architecture. <laughs> but then there are or clients who are just like, we are not museum people. And when you go to Mexico City, I'm like, it's the museum capital of the world. There are really some awesome, I, I'm not a museum person next necessarily either, but also let's not close off all opportunities. And the other one that really gets me is when people are like, we don't need to meet any local families. And I'm like, okay, I know what you've seen. I know what you've done. I've been in those really awkward situations too. Like I promise Can't this one really is awkward. great. <laughs> and sometimes they trust me and sometimes they're just hard pass. Yeah. And so I'm just like, oh, I don't know what happened 10 years ago, but it's really cramping my style, you know? <laughs> so I totally understand when clients have feelings like that. But if I could say, hey, I get that, but watch this video about how fascinating the architecture of XYZ building is in the city that you're going to. And just to give them a little sneak peek, they might be like, okay, I'll go on an architecture tour in this city. You know what I mean? And yeah. to kind yeah. of get them to relax a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And when you can, and then if you know that your client has enjoyed that style of video, you can communicate that to the person you're setting the tour up with and say, yeah. you know, watch this and get a feel for what they liked and you're going to have a better time together. So before I ask you if you can like do some new things and approach guides that I think would be really cool, I'm going <laughs> to ask you... <laughs> This is really, I'm just setting up these conversations spot. to like share my suggestions. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. I'll make some notes. Got my pen out. <laughs> I'm just kidding. How, so how do enhancements and features, new features and things like that come up for approach guides? Is it something that you and your husband and your team, you have a vision, you know where you want to go and you kind of know the things that you want to work on and build, or are you getting a lot of feedback from users that brings up new ideas? I mean, how, what's, what does the process look for, like for approach guides? That's a really good question. And it's a little bit of both. So on, on one side, we are hyper-focused at looking out. Where is the, where is the industry headed and what are travelers looking for in their travel experience? And I think we've all seen the transition to experiential travel and any new names that that will take on. And it, it's a natural evolution that someone starts demanding that in their on-location experiences, they're going to demand that in the content experiences, the digital experience that they're having. And that's going to be 
a new way to sell travel, right? It, it's going to lag a little bit, but that will be yep. the future. So, so that's that's the sort of things that David and I are thinking about. How are how are people delivering and consuming content, and making sure that we have the technology that is hopefully several years ahead of where the market is headed so that we can support mm-hmm. brands and advisors as they make that tra- transition. And we're already there saying, yes, we can do that. So that's on sort of the, the large vision side of it. And then the other is much more tactical. What are the features that people need? And from the very beginning, I've worked in tech companies my whole life and okay. well, my whole career. And one of the one of the traps I see a lot of technology companies get into is feature creep. You can build anything. You can do everything. Should you? Do people yeah. want it? Will people use it? Are you just jamming junk into a thing that just begins to make your demos need to blow up to two hours just to show people how to use it. So right. from the do very, people need very... courses to understand how to use your software? Exactly. Exactly. So from the very, very beginning and our, our, the two developers we have working with us very much share our vision is, I don't know if you ever, you know, your English teacher, when you were in school, used strunk and white and the number one rule is no needless words. We have the no needless features and, you know, we just keep it so simple. We add in the features that people need, but we will also take out features that we see no one using. Oh, interesting. Okay. So I'm really interested. Feature creep, I find fascinating. Yep. And I think with, with friends who work in tech that I've talked to, it's always, we could build this. People want it. It will be useful. But also what's the cost to build this? And is that additional cost and time and energy it's going to take to build this new feature, is that going to attract more users or enable us to like increase the price to offset that cost? And I think that the first person who explained that part of it to me, that's when it really clicked for me of like, oh, that's why some of these things that I'm frustrated with in other, in just all different platforms of like, oh, why don't they fix this? But it's like, it's not actually worth it for us to fix it because it doesn't bother enough people or we can't increase the price or it's not going to attract more users. And like all of these things have to be paid for. And that like really helped me understand why some tech nuisances never really go away. Yes, that is that is the other side of it. it. It does have to be viable for the business. There's a feature that we hear every once in a while. People would really like change. It's a fundamental in the base architecture of the platform. We would have to rebuild the what is entire. It? It's a way a way to sort the the content so people would like to be able to select. They want to see food content and history content at the same time. Oh, okay. Instead of, I want to look at food content and I want to look at, at history content. Okay. And it's exactly that. That's a major, major rebuild, a very costly rebuild. It is something that sits there on the, you know, this is a feature that people would like. When we do rebuild the platform, which we will eventually have to, you always have to do that throughout the life of a, a technology product, that will be something that is then considered. But it is one of those things that it won't it won't bring more business tomorrow if we do that. Right, right. That's not something that you can go on sales calls and be like, look at what we can do. And 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 people are like, oh, now we'll sign up. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That, that was holding us back. That was so, the, that was the one thing. <laughs> <laughs> so how long have you been working on approach guys? Like when did you officially launch? I don't think I actually know the answer to this. Yeah, so we actually started the business back in 2009. But the platform, as you know it, has existed since 2016. Okay. And I didn't know that it was necessarily expected or normal that at some point you will have to kind of tear everything down and rebuild. Does that come because you start to head in a direction that you couldn't have predicted at the very beginning? So therefore, the foundation of the platform may need to be adjusted a little bit, and it seems valuable to then break it down and start over? 
Or does that happen because technologies evolve so much and you kind of need to like keep up with current technology? It's, it's both. It's both. You know, there are, when you start out with a vision of your platform, it will necessarily change. We've been lucky in the sense that, I mean, we still have sort of the napkin that we sketched out the, uh-huh. you know, sort of the search results and the collections of content. And, and it's still very much the same. The way the content is delivered when we first started out, we thought we were only going to work with travel brands and that they would all want to use an API. And that was a faulty assumption. No one has access to dev resources that they can just throw at every single project. My sort of growing up in the tech industry, it sort of spoiled me to that. Uh-huh. So that was, you know, then we we sort of set out to build the, the landing pages that, you know, anyone can spin up. An advisor can just spin up a landing page very easily. Amazing. So what are some features you mentioned a couple minutes ago that you look and see what people are using, what they're not using, and you actually take them off to just to make sure that things stay simple and to make sure that what you are offering is what people are using. So what are some things that you've actually built and then said, no one's using this? That's a, that's a good question. So one of the features, if you remember at the, at the top navigation of the platform, We've always had search and there have been collections. There used to be another option called favorites. And the vision for that was that someone wasn't ready to build a collection of content for their clients. They would just want to sort of bookmark content for future, right? Maybe they're just browsing through. And what we actually saw, and and this was something that advisors were doing, instead of using that little favorite sort of bookmark feature, they were just building a collection of content that they wanted to revisit later. Yep. So we were like, well, that's a, that's a really reasonable way to do that. It's actually a great idea. And we could, for the small subset of people that were using those bookmarks, we transitioned them into a collection. We taught them the new way to do it. And we removed that feature because it was just adding more stuff to that top navigation, which which can start to get quite crowded. And then what we added in to replace it was the thing that we really saw people asking for. And that was the ability to bring in their own content, whether that be, say, a fam trip video that had been created, an advisor added to YouTube, and they wanted to combine that with some of the content from our library or a supplier video or You just gave me an idea. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I've been, yes. Oh, man. Okay. Advisors, listen, all of these reels that we are creating of our stunning trips, like when we're on a fam or when we're on personal trips, those can be added to approach guides. I never thought of that. Like, I download all of my reels to save the video content. And I was thinking about putting it on a future blog that doesn't even exist because. Because I know that like having video on your website, it makes people stop and spend longer and it's more engaging. And so I was downloading them thinking, well, maybe this will go on a blog someday, never. I never considered uploading my own video and real content on approach guides. Yes, absolutely. So just add it into into YouTube and you drop that URL into our platform under the exclusive content. And it will appear in every single collection that you have. Oh my gosh. Now all my clients get to see. I have, you know, I was most recently in Greece. So this is most top of mind. Like I have video content of Athens and Santorini, but I don't think that I've been able to find quality options that are inspirational and not documentary style for Paros. And I was there. So I I have my own content that I'm going to make into a reel. Yep. It's all, it's all, exactly. The other cool thing with the platform is let's say you create this reel and you send it out to a hundred clients and two, two years later, five years later, you go back to Paros and you create a new reel. You can just replace that URL under that single piece of content with the new content that you've created and Everyone that you have ever sent that to gets all your new content. Exactly. So that's sort of the power of the technology platform. One of the things we heard very early on, and this this is interesting when you think about feature building, 
this is, I think, one of the perfect examples. We launched the platform. Originally, it was for, for travel brands. You were actually asking me this question, and I didn't answer it. But we originally built it for travel brands, cruise lines, tour operators, hotels. And then we met Matthew Upchurch, and he was like, nope, I need this also for my advisors. So we set out to build an advisor version, and we went through Virtuos. So had an incubator program where they were sort of shepherding technology platforms to make it more usable for advisors. It was super valuable. I had never worked with a travel advisor before and travel advisors have some very unique requirements. <laughs> it, was a, it was a great uh, experience. It's good I wasn't on your incubator panel. I'm pretty sure those creators really are like, your questions are too much. <laughs> Too much, too much. No, but it was it was it was really valuable. It was really valuable. I I'm, I would have loved to have known you then too. But one of the things that everyone, every single advisor, basically said, we have to have PDFs. You have to take this content and allow us to send it to our clients in a PDF. That was just the way. You know, that was. I mean, it was five years ago, but. That was yeah, I, I didn't even know that that was possible, and I can't even imagine how that would work. What? I'm so confused. Well, <laughs> technically, we can do it. Technically, we can do it. But we said, we're a technology company. We're not going to give you digital content that can be sent to your client in a PDF. So that, what was the thought process? Did you get enough into the conversation with them to understand the use case of why were they so adamant about a PDF as opposed to just like a link to open a, a landing page? They hadn't, they didn't think about the landing page. We didn't have oh. the landing page in the, in the platform at that point. Oh, so then, oh, okay, wait. So then if, if you didn't have the landing page and if you thought their idea for a PDF was crazy, then how were you delivering the content? So they would, it would send a list by email that then the, the guest could click on. It wasn't terribly visual. It was, it was more basic. Again, because our travel brands were using the API. So we didn't have all the visual capabilities in the platform that so, you know right now. Just to, so that I can like imagine yeah. it properly, was it like me just putting a bullet-pointed list of YouTube videos in an email exactly. that they could click on individually and then watch? That's exactly right. But you could it, Got would, it. it would do it all from the platform. You would just click the button to email and right. then it would okay. compile the email. Okay. 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 So that was, you know, that was sort of the impetus to the, to the landing page. And um, I don't know what I would do without the landing page. The landing page is critical. The landing page is critical. Okay. So, and then, you know, and then that has evolved considerably since then. And, and that's something on the platform that we have rebuilt twice. Because what you know, the original vision, it's it's much more advanced now yeah. what you can do with it. Oh, I love that. That's amazing. Cool. Wow. I mean, I love incubator programs, but it's so funny because I think Sion was also in Virtuoso Incubator and you were. I never knew you were until right now. And so it's <laughs> like somehow I participated in all the Virtuoso Incubators that I don't currently use, but the ones that I currently use were part of Virtuoso Incubator and like I wasn't on that panel. <laughs> <laughs> that is, that's, that's very funny. How does that work? <laughs> yeah, how does that work? <laughs> I'm prob- I probably have a bad picker because if I, I haven't done it in a while, but if I remember correctly, we are given a short little like title and kind of, you know, a two line introduction of what that technology does and we express yeah. interest. So I yeah. just, I just must be a bad picker. <laughs> You, you um, like you like post development. <laughs> yes. I have realized that with technology, and I think in life in general, but especially with technology, that I'm not your first adopter. Yeah. I'm not the one that wants to spend time and energy to be the first one in and kind of deal with all the bugs and the of like there is potential, but we're not there yet kind of conversations. I'm kind of the second adopter of let me know when things are smoothed out and when I can really get this into my daily workflow. And then I'm like your first I'm, I think I'm your second person. I think you are. And so basically when when I met you was our first year as a oh, partner. I leapt over the table and no, that was the most fun you with uh, a hug. conversation <laughs> of the entire uh, job. <laughs> oh, that one goes down in history as the best. 
<laughs> probably you one of my that. favorite appointments too, because I the hours that I was spending on YouTube going through absolute yeah. nonsense content just to find a gem. And the problem was, is that I was finding gems of content and then I would start following those creators and basically bookmark every single thing that they ever created. Because for me, I was finding that it was more of a style right? of like, oh, this person has a fantastic style and they're not an influencer. They're not a blogger. There's not like their face in front of the camera the whole time. It's like, no, I actually want to see what I was really looking for were really talented videographers right. that just happened to travel and, and use their work for travel instead of, you know, promoting a new car or something. Yeah. And but then I realized I'm finding super cool content, but it's never for the destination that I need. <laughs> it's always like not finding what I need at the time that I need it. So that's kind of my question for you. I don't think that it's a feature necessarily. I definitely don't want to cause any feature creep, but <laughs> there are destinations that I have looked up in the platform that just really, I, it's not an approach guides problem. It's a, it's a content problem, right? Like you're just providing the content that exists. And so it doesn't exist, but like, how do you, or maybe you don't even think about this, but like, how do you remedy? I would really like to have some proper content for Cinque Terre. I would really like to have some proper content for Paros and Crete. And I shouldn't say Crete because I'm not for sure it's not there. I know that Paros Crete, is Crete, Crete's definitely. Crete's good. Okay. I'll have to, I, I was actually involved in that one. So I'm pretty sure. Oh, Oh, amazing. So yeah, that's why I shouldn't no, say that because I don't know. We that think sure. about that a lot. We do think about yeah. that a lot. And that is a, that's a really good question. So probably unlike most of the travel companies that you're talking, the technology companies that you're talking to for the series, our service actually has a human component. It's really one of the things that makes it a big differentiator for our platform because it's not that we're just giving you the technology and then you have to fill it all out right? All those videos that you bookmarked, you have to bring into the platform or else you have nothing to share. You right. come to the platform, you can bring in your own stuff, but you don't have to. We come with a library and that library is intensely curated by our content team, 10 person content team that is, is working all the time, not just finding new content that is produced, but is also, you know, looking at, at things that have been flagged, right? So if you're in the platform and you don't see something for Paris that you're looking for, you'll see there's a chat button at the bottom of the platform, ping our content team and say, you know, I was looking here. I didn't find what you, what I was looking for. Here's the type of thing. Would you mind taking a look and seeing if you see anything? And they'll go out and they'll actually do a search okay. to see if, if something had been missed, if there's something new that had been produced that we just haven't gotten right. to. On the other side is we will do for, for certain destinations where we can't access content. It just hasn't been created. We have a production team in-house. You do? We do. We do. So you we go will, and you create content? We do. We do. I didn't know that. We do. Yep. Sometimes you'll, for certain destinations, you'll see yours truly featured in a video. <laughs> other times you'll see, you know... Images that we've taken on location, and, and we're telling that story in a way that inspires. I think of, I don't know, have you been down the, the Danube from the from yeah. Budapest to the Black Sea? And you go yep. by the statue of Decibalus, no content to be found on that that's any good. So we, we created a video that, that tells that story. This is incredible. Can I work on the production team? I volunteer. <laughs> fabulous. <free>. Fabulous. <laughs> Sign me up. I had no idea that you were doing that. So how do you decide this destination is important enough? And the, I mean, you have to identify first, like where you want content that it doesn't currently exist, but then that's still a long list of destinations. How do you decide and prioritize where you should invest your time and resources? So we, we see all of the itineraries of all the clients that we're working with on the enterprise side. And those also will happen to be the same destinations that advisors are sending people to as well. And so that sort of drives the, the main focus on where we're looking for content for. So there's, there's a constant audit that's going on as to what are the new itineraries? What are the new destinations that people are going to? And then, you know, the world is a funny place. All of a sudden, 
you know, Cuba comes up as the most important destination that everyone's going to a few years ago. And everyone starts running tours. So we really need to focus and get that content up to speed. But then that will drop off and another destination will pop up that hadn't been on the radar before. And so that's, so we're, we're looking at the sort of those industry-wide trends as well. Interesting. So have you always had a production team and I was just completely aloof or is that something new? We've always had a production team. It's not it's not a core part of the the business. It's really we try to curate the content first. As anyone who's produced any content knows, it's time consuming and costly. It, well, that was my next question is how do you does the approach guides subscription model or the enterprise contracts does that support the production or is is that like a business within a business because production is time consuming and costly? It is. If a, if a brand wants content created exclusively for them, that's obviously something a separate. That, yeah, exactly. But something that fills a gap that we may have in the platform, that's content that we find valuable to create. Oh, to give our clients a good experience. That's amazing. Yep. Okay. Put me on the volunteer list just okay. as you're flying over Iowa, maybe on your way to Asia. I'll just, just pick me up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I, so this is totally irrelevant to anyone listening, but I was taking video classes. I didn't, I never wanted to become like a a blogger in any sorts, but I wanted to create high quality content of my own travel. So like I have a drone and I have gimbals and I have GoPros and I care. I mean, I have all of the, I've, I've got all the tripods. I have everything. And I have some pretty decent amateur footage of most of my travels from the last five years. And I even started learning how to edit the footage and try to like put it all together. And I know how to do it. I just don't have the time because turns out I'm also a travel advisor and producing the content. And like, really, it's one thing to like go and to shoot it and shooting it is actually fun for me because I also love photography. And so I'm there. And I have my camera anyways, so it doesn't feel like, it doesn't feel like any extra effort really to shoot the content, but it's coming home and sorting through all that content, organizing it, editing it, producing it, and then actually delivering a final product. It's so, so, so time consuming. That is really time consuming. I, I, I mean, I'll shoot the video when, when I'm on location, but I am not putting it together. So what, what we'll do is we'll, we'll have the the content we know the story that we want to tell so I, I you know one of us or someone on the team will take the footage that best tells the story we're looking to tell we write the little script and then we send it out to a, a freelancer that puts it together for us that's probably what i should do so that it's not just kind of wasted i mean i can yeah. i can list off 10 destinations right now that like i have footage for and it's just like sitting on a hard drive <laughs> I, see, really I see people outsource stuff to like Upwork and Fiverr yeah. all the time. And it's just a quick way to, and very cost effective, you know, just get yeah. someone else to compile the stuff that you don't have the time to do. And I guess I always thought that it might be like offensive of like asking someone to edit a story that they didn't shoot or write and that they weren't a part of. And then they would just be like, this is crap. Why, why are you sending me this crap amateur video footage? And now I have to put it into a video. And really, I just need to like, because I think of it so much as an art form. And so it's almost, here's the canvas. It's already framed. Here's your paint and your brushes. Just make something beautiful. And you would never do that to an artist. But I think if I just, the alternative currently is that it's sitting on a hard drive collecting dust. So it's better to just give it to somebody and say, no expectations. I just need you to cut it all together. And it's on me if it looks like crap. (laughs) Yeah, no, exactly. And I think it is a relevant point for everyone listening. I mean, every advisor who is listening to this has video footage, photo footage. Oh my gosh. And, you know, something that you want to tell. And then you can just put all that into a Dropbox, even photos can be put together in a way that give it movement so it comes into a video. Put it in a Dropbox, go to an audio site, find a song that you like, and then just hire someone on Upwork to put it together. You know, I think that I have some videographers that I have discovered on 
YouTube and that I've added to the Approach Guides platform because I love their work so much that they are such, they are so talented and they are such high level producers that even when there's not a single word of narration spoken in the video, they are telling a story. And I think that I was almost setting the bar too high for myself. But if I dial it back and I just think, can you create a YouTube version of a reel with some photos and videos mixed? And maybe at the end, someone doesn't feel like chills and goosebumps from some story that I just told, but it is beautiful and it's actual footage from my actual trip. And it's just a way that I can share it. It's almost like I need to release a little bit of the pressure off of my own expectations because I shouldn't be comparing myself to just these absolutely incredible travel videographers. I completely agree. One tip for you and everyone else there listening, don't put a date on your video. As soon as you put a date on the video, this is my trip from 2022 in 2023, it is old, unusable. You don't want to share it. And certainly in 2026, even though it is still relevant and it still shows the experience, you won't want to share it. So just my one piece of advice is never put a date on your content and it will give it a lot more longevity. Yeah, that's super valid. I I really appreciate that. Okay, well, adding to my to-do list today, go find a video person. On it, shortens, it shortens the to-do list. It takes, <laughs> this is going to be a month-long project of video I have to edit. Honestly, <laughs> to that to-do more. list was just deleted months ago. Like, this is never going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> but I still, like, I just went to Greece. That's my most recent trip. And I still have video content because video is so much more engaging. Then just like, I still love photography, but having little shots of video, it's, I I even find it more interesting to watch, whether it's YouTube or Instagram or anything. So even though I'm not producing it, I'm still taking the footage. So I'm going to find someone. I love this idea. Thank you. I've kind of changed my life today. (laughs) I'm now part of a production team on a volunteer basis. And (laughs) it's been a heck of a morning already. (laughs) Okay. I'm curious to know. Every story that I've heard about anyone, not only building a big company, but also just building tech specifically, they come up against some pretty big unexpected challenges of like, oh, wow, no amount of planning could have prepared us for this. And I'm always just curious because I now know that whatever it was, you were obviously on the other side of it. <laughs> so I'm, I'm always just curious to know, like, what was that for you in Approach Guides? Well, I would say the pandemic was one. <laughs> so well, that uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah exactly but I think we haven't knock on wood we haven't had those major hurdles I mean our philosophy as I, I think a lot of technology companies are but we're really committed to this philosophy of constant iteration So we try not to do humongous builds and iterate all along the way. And we'll build sort of bigger features that might not be perfect, get them out, see how people are using them, and then iterate along the along the way. So one of the one of the things that we did recently is you'll see in the platform there's a new ability for advisors to add notes into the content. So this was something that we had heard a long time. I want to add in comments next to the content. Why did I choose this piece of content? That the client would see, not just for themselves. Exactly. Why did I choose this piece of content for you? And that was something that we sat on for for a long time, maybe two years. It was something that, that advisors kept hitting on, but of course we could build it. But we knew the way we were thinking of building it, it wasn't, it wasn't the right way. And so okay. we sat on it for, for quite a while. And then we, we had this idea that, that came with bringing in your own content to the platform. That was another new feature that we added on request. And then we released it. And we just let it sit there for a little bit and watched how people were using it. And it's been, it's been super fascinating and will lead to more development afterwards. Super but cool. The pandemic wasn't, was an interesting thing. And that was the time that we actually, we took advantage of the, the quiet time and rebuilt a lot of our platform. So it was a little bit of a gift as well. The updates that I noticed of like, whoa, this is so helpful is 
when I just put in a link that it just pre-populates a lot of the information. That just, because I was getting to the point where sometimes I would kind of hesitate to add my own content just because I was in a hurry and I'd be like, oh, it's going to take me five minutes to enter in all the small details. And you know, you want to do it properly, but now I can just enter the YouTube link and it's like, and I'm like, add, it's just so easy. Yep. 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 That's really helpful. You'll see when we go back, when you go back in to do that, we've also added new features we started seeing advisors add a lot more supplier content. So now you'll see brochures, blog posts, things like that as well. Oh, PDFs. So if you have PDF documents from a supplier that might contain an itinerary, of course, you're going to have your itinerary platform, but you might also want to bring it in for a certain client so they have everything in one place. I love the supplier footage. So I think there have been... So whenever a hotel has a video... Yep. on their website and I'm building a new library item in Travify, I will always try to get that video into the itinerary because again, video is so much more engaging. But yep. what I have found is a struggle for both, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, a struggle for both approach guides and Travify is that it has to be a YouTube link or like a Vimeo link. And so if that video is presented on a hotel website or a supplier's website, but it's not like a a YouTube connection, I can't get it. I can't get the link or get the footage over to Travify or Approach Guides. Yeah, it's because if that video isn't public, we can't. Right. We can't display right. their their video. Like it's public on their website. It's just not public in the way of and that we of, can just take it and display their yeah that. Their video. <laughs> But I mean, I'm promoting them. Like I'm using it to like, obviously conf- I just confirmed a booking at your hotel and I want people to see this video. It's not like a, you know. I mean, you can thing, always, but. yeah, we do. There are so many video services we do support outside of just those two that a lot of brands use, Rightco or Daily Motion. If it's uh-huh. on any of those platforms, it can be, it can be shown, but yeah, it does need to be hosted. I would have never thought to search approach guides for supplier content. So now I will well, definitely you, you do that. You will find supplier content in our platform. That You're is just saying content. people are adding it. Adding it. Yeah. So what we see advisors got it, doing got it. is they are creating supplier pages, right? So they have a, let's say a hotel that they often book and they'll add some video content. Maybe they'll add in their own reel or fam trip, maybe an article from Architectural Digest that talks about the hotel. And then that's their sales page. And they find it's sort of bringing a, a different, you know, it's, it's selling the brand with their name on it. So instead of just what I currently do is add in a library item like in Travify into their proposal, and I might offer two or three hotel options. And then I include, I try to include the most beautiful imagery I can find, right, a right. brief description, the amenities, the price. And then maybe if I can, I will include a little note of this is why I love this hotel. This is why I've suggested it for you. The reality is, is that I just haven't been everywhere in the world. And so the number of hotels that I can really put a personal take on it. Right. So you're saying really just elevating that proposal of here's an architectural digest article about this. Here's the actual hotel video that's more professional. Here's my personal video from my time at this hotel. Wow. Yeah. And that's that's especially valuable for advisors who are selling the same property a lot, right? Yes. You're selling 200 destinations and 200 different hotels and tomorrow it will be another one. Then that doesn't serve you quite as well. But for those advisors that are selling... Either it could be the same destination, it could be the same supplier. We're, we're well, seeing it's not an all or nothing. So, like, even though I am technically like a global travel advisor, there are about ten destinations that I sell a lot of, and that I'm actively trying to sell more of. So, if I focused my energies on really creating those kind of sales pages for those destinations, yep. I could just further like it all builds on each other, right? Exactly. It's all just about exactly. a little bit of focus. Oh my god, can we have like a a semi-annual, all the cool things that our advisors are doing on approach guides call, because I'd love that. I'm going to have to go back and listen to my own conversation to make sure I don't forget any of these cool ideas. Yeah, absolutely. I would love that because our platform provides an easy way to do this. But the, the great thing and why I love having these conversations is that all the ideas 
are something that any advisor can do, whether they subscribe to our platform or not. They're just ways to keep your clients engaged. Of course, I would love everyone to be a subscriber, but the, the you great should thing be. With, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but the great thing with these these ideas is is everyone can can do it. If you have a blog, you can create a supplier page on your blog. You just might not have thought about it. We obviously right. make it a lot easier. <laughs> yes, and prettier and just I mean, the feedback that I get is so positive. Of course, the feedback is about the videos. They're not saying like, oh, that landing page that you sent us was incredible, but it's like approach guides is what tosses up, you know, the easy pitch to just let me knock that out of the park. Exactly. Approach guides is what enables me to share these super cool videos without just sending a bullet pointed list of links of like, hey, go to YouTube and watch these. Yeah. You know, and it has their name on it. They can see that I made it for them. Like it's not just random YouTube links that I send to everyone who goes to Italy. It's like, no, no, no. I I made this for you. Yeah. And we see advisors create these pages. I mean, I I just love, I love our advisors quite uh, so much. Three minutes later, they've built 10 pages. It's amazing because it's just so quick and they can come in, you know, make, make a half hour every week and just get it done. It's honestly fun. I have to like pour a glass of wine and make some popcorn before I'm going to dive into approach guides for a new destination because you're just going to get sucked into like these super cool video content. It's not necessarily a quick thing to find the first videos that you want to share in a destination the first time. And so instead of getting stressed and adding it to my to-do list, I just settle in on a Friday night and like, (laughs) we're going to discover Morocco. (laughs) It's fun. I I find it fun. (laughs) That's awesome. That's awesome. I'll join you for that popcorn and wine. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds perfect. And then we'll fly off for our next production assignment. (laughs) All right, guys, you've heard it. You heard it here first. I'm officially on the production team. (laughs) We have to hold Jennifer to this. Done, done. Oh, Jennifer, it's always such a joy to have you on and just to stay updated on all these incredible tools and resources that you're providing for travel advisors and I mean, what I love so much is it's about travel, but it's not about travel. It's really about transporting our clients to a different place, offering us a a tool and a resource to elevate our client experience and make it so much more about just like taking a credit card and booking a hotel. You know, it's really enabling us to elevate the experience that we, in a way that we all want to do, but just the execution of it just is time consuming and it's not always easy and it's not always fun. And I think that that's the opportunity that you've provided us is that it can be easy, it can be fun, and it can also make you look like a rock star all while doing something super cool for clients. So thank you. That's the most amazing feedback I could ever, ever get. I always enjoy our conversations. Thank you so much for having me on your amazing show. Okay, we'll see you back soon so you can tell us about all the pro tips of what advisors are doing, okay? (laughs) Will do, will do. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Masters in Travel. If you love today's conversation as much as I did, please take a moment to leave a review, subscribe so you don't miss an episode, and be sure to share this podcast with an advisor who's ready to level up their travel business. If you want more, head over to beamasterintravel.com. On our website, you'll find a free resource library for travel advisors, free community forums where you can ask questions and support your colleagues, and courses and workshops in the Academy Marketplace to support your learning and development as a business owner and as a professional travel advisor. On our website, you can also learn about the Masters in Travel community and Think Tank, a private community where we collaborate, strategize, and ideate together with advisors working towards similar goals and tackling similar challenges. Learn more and join our community at beamasterintravel.com.